Do you think that most people would say that teenage beauty pageants are a good idea? Oh yeah, sure. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. They might say that a pageant is old fashioned and demeaning to the girls. What sick is women dressing like men? Oh, you yes. bitch, Iris. No, I think you boys are going to find something a little bit different here in Montrose. For one thing, we're all God-fearing folk. Every last one of us. And you will not find a back room in our video store. No, no, no that filth is better left to Sin City. A modern-day remake of Matthew Fawn's lay kick of Coen Brothers send up with Timothy Chalamet. A citizen came prequel, a midnight cowboy sequel, Alvin and the Chipmunks deserve another squeak. There's so many new ways to revisit sideways, but a graphic novel is how we choose to update. But we still hold fast, you can't change the past on the Ruined Childhoods podcast. Greetings, Starfighters, Juicy Lucys, and Hot Dish Tater Totters. This is Ruined Childhoods, and we are covering one movie for each United State. Last week, we ventured out to Michigan to discuss Anatomy of a Murder, and this time we're in the North Star State, a.k.a. the Land of 10,000 Lakes. This is the 32nd State of the Union, and it is known for its cold climate, its own brand of being nice, and music sensation prints. Other notable entertainers from this state are Lonnie Anderson, Louis Anderson, and Richard Dean. You guessed it, Anderson. Its capital is St. Paul, Butterfly is Monarch, and Flower is the Pink and White Lady's Slipper. That's right, we're in Minnesota talking about the 1999 mockumentary Drop Dead Gorgeous. Dan, we had a lot of movies to pick from for Minnesota. Do you have a favorite Minnesota movie? You know, John, you asked me that, and the first place my my brain goes is, is there anything i could say other than fargo for me oh, yeah. personally yeah yeah uh uh fargo yeah i gotta go with with Fargo, which ironically bemidji. Fargo is not a city in minnesota uh, right what? right oh we got bemidji uh what are some of the other uh towns brainerd in- brainerd. brainerd yeah mm-hmm. yeah brainerd is a yeah. big one yeah so that i it's got to be fargo what's what's yours you know fargo is yeah, I wasn't even thinking Fargo. I think that because it's called Fargo, my mind doesn't immediately go to Minnesota, even though, of course, it's like 90% set in Minnesota. And uh, yeah, that's a good one. I really liked, well, I mean, obviously Purple Rain is great, but I really liked uh, Young Adult because uh, yes. Minneapolis is a big part of the movie's DNA. You know, it's somebody who's coming Sin from- cities. <laughs> Yeah, well, the mini apple. I, I love uh, when they call it the mini apple because she's yes. coming from New York, and it's very much a you know coming back to your hometown in you know suburban Minneapolis, and the I don't know. I felt like that one kind of gave me a good sense of like true you know Minneapolis area culture because I feel like in a lot of other minnesota movies you kind of get more of a caricature in fargo a little bit you know i think that when you get to the smaller towns drop dead gorgeous definitely one of them uh the movie airborne which is a personal favorite of mine (laughs) i you know featuring the um wait a second it's Edie mcclurg and is her husband also in elvira mistress of the dark now I've got to look that up. I want to say oh, that boy. he's the like motel uh, 
you know the the uh, husband the husband of the, of the yeah. yeah oh that guy was in a lot of that yeah that guy was in if Edie McClurg was in it chances are that guy was in it I don't remember his name but yeah, yeah all right it's a it's a cross episode Uncle, mystery Uncle Lewis Patrick Thomas O'Brien oh yeah uh, that might that might not have been him that dude worked he was in the Curious Case of Benjamin Button interesting. No, I mean, he was not in Elvira. He was not in Elvira, but a very similar type okay. of vibe to the guy in Elvira. Got it. Got it. That's, you know, so people have a, you know, reference point there. <laughs> of course, every because everybody's seen Elvira, it, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, yeah. No, of of, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's because it's part of the you've cycle. watched because you watched it because of this podcast. Of course, I think yeah. most people probably know this guy as being one of the teachers on Saved by the Bell. But anyway, I digress. Got it. We're not talking Got about it. Him I don't anymore. remember. I don't remember. Yeah. But Airborne, uh, another Airborne, another one where somebody, it. you know, is coming in from out of state, maybe a more uh, a, a part of the country where they maybe consider themselves in a different league than Minnesota and then have to experience Minnesota life. And, you know, an Airborne, you know, falls right into it with a, a new culture, including Jack Black in one of his first roles. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sounds sounds good. You, what you, what year was Airborne? Was that Airborne? I feel like that's a ninety three or so ninety three exactly ninety three. Wow. Yeah. Oh, sometimes Shane strikes. McDermott is the star of that movie. Seth Green plays his cousin Wiley. I thought I remembered Seth Green being in that. And I've never seen it, but I just remember like Seth Green being on like the VHS cover, like kind of popping out on like the lower left hand corner, like looking rad. I'm going to just look at the. Are you going right to see how close uh, are he here. is in the. No, he's not in the bottom left. No, is he somewhere he's on, not the on the VHS co- cover of. He is not. We have two Shane McDermott's, and then we have, or is that four Shane McDermott's rollerblading? On the cover alone? On the cover alone. And then his his love interest, whose name escapes me. That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. All right. But if we're talking yeah, about mean, actors in the and their uh, early on-screen performances, great opportunity to talk about Amy Adams. Amy Adams in this movie in Drop Dead Gorgeous is fantastic. And I would and and by the way, so Drop Dead Gorgeous, uh, especially after rewatching it, I would definitely place among my favorite Minnesota movies. But also before we, we go into the land of synopsis, uh-huh. I did as I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I need a credibility check here. Let me look into who wrote this. Uh-huh. And and of and yes, Lona Williams, Lana mm-hmm. Williams, Lo- Lona Williams, I think, because there's L-O-N-A. Okay. Who what, Who is from Rosemont, Minnesota, not Mount right. Rose, Minnesota, where Drop Dead yep. Gorgeous is set, and who wa- was Minnesota's junior miss in 1985 and then was the runner-up in America's junior miss and was you know in a number of of pageants and so grew up in minnesota did the like local pageant circuit so i'm like right okay but all but right fortunate, I, fortunately though this movie is not autobiographical correct not autobiographical <laughs> but uh, but you but i feel like when you're satirizing something you 
you need to have a certain amount of familiarity with it. Yeah. I mean, to do that with credibility, especially with the shots that they take in this, because it it is it is none too subtle. And I know that we'll talk about uh, both how that how that's a a detriment and also works in its favor at, you know, at different times and also kind of, you know, how, uh, you know, to what extent it it works. Yeah, but definitely put this in my in my top minutes. I guess I think more of purple rain and i know it's it's set in minnesota and there's you know purify yourself in the waters of lake minnetonka mm-hmm. all that but it, to me it's it's kind of like that story couldn't take place anywhere because i don't i feel like that story would it feels like that story needs to take place in a mini apple so to right. speak and by the way back to young adult uh one a of my city favorite, but not a major city go on right like pits but that could it could be pittsburgh yeah, like if, if Flashdance hadn't been already in in Pittsburgh, it could be Pittsburgh. It it could be Galveston. You know, I don't know. Uh, okay. It could be. I don't know. I don't know why Galveston jumped into my mind, but you you get the point. It could be Little Rock. Hey, couldn't be New York. Couldn't be L.A. Probably not Chicago. Maybe Chicago. Yeah, I don't know. But you're you're yeah. gonna say something. I sure was. Uh, you're gonna say something about I, why you like young adult. Oh yeah, young adult uh, Charlize Theron, uh, possibly my favorite performance of hers. Definitely my top three, and that's saying something because I, especially from Monster on, mm-hmm. it was kind of like a shift for her in her career, and both, but both like you know reaching the heights of performances in movies like Monster and. Young adult where she's excellent. North Country is one mm-hmm. that's really underrated, but she's magnificent in that. Uh, but also as Furiosa in Mad Max Fury Road. Definitely, yeah. It is incredible and and magnetic. But Young Adult, I felt was was a film that also like one of uh as, as someone who's enjoyed some of Jason Reitman's work very much, some mm-hmm. more than others. This one is definitely up there for me among in in his filmography was this diablo cody as well i was gonna say was it written by diablo cody yes yes and it's and and i have not i have seen neither lisa frankenstein nor jennifer's body yet yet Mm -hmm. i will i i will do my due diligence on that i forget that she did jennifer's body but but yeah i i wasn't sold on diablo cody by juno it was young adult that sold me mm-hmm. on Diablo Cody. Yeah, young adult, fantastic. I I've always been a Charlize Theron fan. Uh, I mean, even the early work, that thing you do, so good. Oh, Devil's Advocate, Devil's Advocate, hell, even Reindeer Games, I enjoy. Reindeer, oh, all that. No, no, no. I I I like that Charlize Theron, but then the like. After like after she went and played Eileen Wernos, she discovered yeah. this, you know, like like oh my god, yes, um, I will devour every role that comes my way now. And and, and you know, and you know what movie I, I love her in the Long Shot. The Long Shot. Wait. It came out maybe three oh, or four Seth, years yes, ago. Yes, with Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, that one's magnificent. It's fantastic. She's great. It's a lot of fun. 
Bob Odenkirk is a lot of fun in it. Magnif- it's great. As I was saying, magnificent. I was like, I might have oversold that a little bit, but like, I, yeah, no, I, it has a lo- it has a higher rewatch quality. Also features June Day and Raphael, Kurt Brownoler, one of the hosts O'Shea- of the Bananas oh. podcast. Mm-hmm. Facts. Uh, O'Shea Jackson. O'Shea Jackson's fantastic. Yeah. I like, yeah, I like his character in it, and I like the way he pronounces the word pomplamoose. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. Um, but let's, let's get more into Drop Dead Gorgeous. Should we do a synopsis and then really start getting into it? Let's get this pageant started here. All right. This is going to have spoilers in it because I felt like there's really no way to like give a full synopsis without kind of, because the movie ends, but then keeps going, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, but, but yes, but also it's, it's, it's been 25 years where we are near on. Yeah. A quarter of a century since the release of this film. Absolutely. All right, here we go. If you are a teenage girl in Mount Rose, Minnesota, there is no greater accomplishment than being crowned Sarah Rose Cosmetics American Teen Princess. For pure-hearted and hard-working Amber Atkins, participating in the pageant is one way she can follow the same path as her hero, Diane Sawyer. But for Amber, winning is a stretch only because she's competing against Becky Ann Lehman, the daughter of the pageant's organizer, Gladys, who will stop at nothing to make her daughter win and follow in her own footsteps as an American teen princess pageant winner. And the stakes are even higher after Amber becomes a target of a number of murder attempts. Also in the pageant, we have athletic Tammy, who dies in a mysterious thresher explosion, New York-loving Lisa, sexually advanced cheerleader Leslie, theater nerd Michelle, dog-loving Tess, quote, Asian-American, unquote, Molly, and ASL enthusiast Janelle. Amber is supported by her hairdresser single mother, Annette, and family friend Loretta, who believed she would win if not for the Lehman family owning the town. As the pageant prep continues, there are more and more attempts on Amber's life and potentially damaging issues with her pageant prep. And even though she is the clear winner, Amber gets second place in the obviously rigged judging in in Becky Ann's favor. But the beauty pageant gods had something else in mind after Becky Ann's swan float at the post-pageant parade explodes, resulting in Amber taking the charred crown, advancing her to the state-level competition at the Howard Johnson by the airport. And the gods <laughs> must have their eyes on Amber, as she is the only contestant who, does, who isn't put out of commission due to a shellfish-related salmonella dysentery outbreak, advancing Amber by default to the national competition. But when the 50 contestants arrive at the Sarah Rose building in Lincoln, Alabama, they learn that the company has suddenly shuttered, leaving every contestant except Amber in a blind rage. But all's well that ends well when we find out that Amber gets to live out her dream of being a news anchor after another Gladys-related attempt to come out on top. <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that was a lot wow. to get through. Well, th- so, this movie is a wild ride, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, just kind of knocking out the cast. We had Kirsten Dunst as Amber, Ellen Barkin as her mom, Annette, Allison Janney as their family friend, Loretta, Chef's Kiss. Denise oh. Richard is Becky Ann. Kirstie Alley is her mom, Gladys. Uh-huh. Sam McMurray from Raising Arizona, Freaks and Geeks, uh, is the is Becky Ann's father. Uh, then we've got Brittany Murphy, Amy Adams, Laurie Sinclair, Shannon Nelson, uh, amongst others as uh, other pageant entrants. Alexandra Holden is the previous year's uh, pageant winner. Uh, yeah, it's mm, it's a really yeah. <laughs> fascinating cast. We have uh, Matt Malloy, Mike McShane, 
Lana Williams as one of the judges. Uh, yep. You've we got have uh, Will Sasso, who, who we'll get to oh. later. Yes. Nora yep. Dunn. Absolutely. Uh, and Mo Gaffney as yeah. uh, from the state pageant. Adam West with a cameo as himself. Adam West. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Tom and, Lennon uh, as the kind of documentarian. Right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's you never see him, but you know that voice. <laughs> you know the voice. It's a much more subdued Tom Lennon. Right. Right. I, I, I don't. In the I, background. I, I certainly didn't realize. I feel like since the last time I saw this movie, I've watched a lot more with Tom Lennon. Yeah. So I watching it this time oh yeah and of course you know i'm looking at the cast list because yeah i'm looking at you know who's who's playing other because there's other character actors that pop up like the 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 choreographer the the woman who plays the or the the dance teacher the one who just sits there and yeah. smokes and i mean everyone right. it was like watching uh cold turkey again yeah. everybody's <laughs> smoking oh my goodness bob newhart would be pleased but part, I mean, but that I also was part like of the commentary. Yeah, I think that and and especially, you know, since, you know, the, the writer who is definitely involved in production because she is also in it, uh, you know, that's where she's from. Essentially, it's a fictionalized version, but it definitely goes through lengths to capture the vibe of small town Minnesota they have a lot of the classic like Minnesota cuisine that comes in and um, bars, uh, bars. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, Jello salads, things like Jello that. Salads. So, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a lot that is trying to capture that small town Minnesota vibe. Um, mm -hmm. Dan, I, I, I made a list. I made two lists. What I what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it and i'd like to know what are the things that you really liked about this movie oh okay first of all i really like the cast i really like the the cast the casting yeah. of the roles i think kirstie alley nails it it is you know kind of funny watching her playing this like ultra conservative she's sarah palin basically yeah pre sarah palin and what and just kind of like knowing where Kirstie Alley ended up going in the years following a little uh, a little too much like her character in this. Yeah. Yeah. But it was but but I felt like in terms of her uh, like her performance is so comedic and so wonderful. She nails it. Ellen Barkin is oh, so Ellen Barkin. We, who we've spoken about recently the big, easy. the big easy and we talked about humor in the big easy but she's so great at comedy and she's such an underrated comedian and i think of yeah again the, the movie switch which involves a lot of physical comedy on on her part and a lot of you know just inhabiting a character which she does so brilliantly here. And of course you did the chef's kiss for Allison Janney well deserved because mm -hmm. she's oh, yeah. She's amazing. Steals the scenes that she's in. I was so excited because one of my favorite moments is th that that it's at towards the end where she's on TV and Ellen Barkin's watching them and and she shouts out, I got some. I know it turns I out it. is the 
was the first ad lib she ever did on film. Oh, and really? It's the okay. only thing she ad libbed in this was that line, but she had not <laughs> had experience with improv. I and I was some. just like, that is that is why she is a gift. She's a gift yeah. to us. So I so I like so that I like I like the the casting Brittany cast. Murphy, you know, pour one out. I yeah. you know belatedly. But uh and Amy Adams so goes good. for it. I think this is like Denise Richards at her best. I think this is. Yeah, I, I really liked her in Starship Troopers. Yes, uh, was, she's great in Starship Troopers. I yeah. felt I felt like this was something different for her where she showed potential to do more than what she had been doing. And that includes in the same year, I think she was in the uh, James Bond movie. Was she? she, was she? Like I forgot about that. Doctor Christmas, yeah, and and I and like thinking about that, but and I was like, you know what? Okay, it was poorly written, and I did not enjoy her as the in that role. But I also felt like it. She got un. It was held against her that she was like young and attractive and was playing a mm. nuclear physicist. Like, not that she didn't necessarily fit that role. That's. But like, I think she kind of got unfairly held that held against her. Yeah, in the I, critique. I, I, I her don't really acting would have been enough. Yeah, I don't really remember that role, but I just know that in the subsequent years, you know, once we once we're getting into the two thousands, the Charlie just, Sheen. Yeah, it's like years. the decisions being made, and who knows what the story is, but like. I don't know. It she she had a lot of potential that didn't get met. Right. In, in I mean, yet Starship Troopers, Wild Things, Wild Things, yeah. And and Drop Dead Gorgeous, but I I really like watching this. I thought the casting of her as Kirstie Alley's daughter and Sam McMurray is so good in those roles, blowhards, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's he's so offensive in this. But again, it's it is that kind of like offensiveness is. Yeah. Well, it let, does feel like. Right now, I want to focus on the positive. Yes. And then yes, I want to the move to right. and then I want to move to the negative. So, yes. So. So casting, I think use of the mockumentary format at a time like you in the rearview mirror you had spinal tap you had waiting for guffman yeah and you know um i think there was like something else that like robert altman did for hbo that was kind of mockumentary but yeah well it was there before was... go ahead it, it, no i was gonna say uh this was you know it was before a mighty wind but post waiting for guffman um yeah, I it definitely draws a lot from those, you know, Rob it's Reiner, Christopher Guest. It's show. It's pre-best in show, but barely, just barely though, by a year. Yeah, by by a year. So uh, I appreciate that. And then I I wrote down when I was watching it. I I have not been writing down like lines from movies as I've been watching them in a long time. Mm -hmm. I wrote so many lines down, so many jokes. Like 
and they it was like there was no missed opportunity the joke of as they're as they're coming up as they're as they're in the the pageant and everybody has the like the thing on all the girls have oh, the yeah. things on their heads why they're proud to the be patriotic an things yeah yeah, right. The pa- the patriotic thing, of course, because the it was funny how as Kirstie Alley's characters reciting all of the past uh, pageant themes and it's like proud to be an American. This yeah. I was like, please say make America great again, please. There <laughs> was a well, when they had those things on their head, there was something I think it was Denise Richards who says like, uh, you know, because she had Mount Rushmore on her head and she right. made a comment about about making America great. This is gonna make America right. great, and I was just like, "Oh, yes." Um, but the one where I had to like, where I just stopped, and I was like, "Oh, no way!" Was Molly, the, the Asian American, was adopted by who is white? Uh, we don't right. A- yes, adopted is, three years who, prior, Caucasian. Yeah, adopted. Yeah, right. By we and uh, are, are we told where they're from? We are not. No. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that she's got like what a nuclear power plant yeah. and what did she say? Atomic energy or nuclear power makes me proud to be Asian American. Yeah. The implications of that joke are so wrong. It's and dark. Like, oh my it's God. Dark. Oh yeah. my. There are so many things that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they went there. But I... I loved it. The joke, like Tammy riding the the tractor because the vibrations helped her think. And she's like, oh, yeah. Tammy only smoked after, after. a good drive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, ju- sorry, just real quick. Just looking at um, the cast, there is the uh, one character who plays Tina, who is the biological daughter of the the Howard family, which is the, the Asian immigrants. Uh, the actor who plays her is Japanese. So I, and it looks like, I think that some of these names seem to me like they are Japanese names, just looking at the, the actors. And it feels like the accents that they are doing, sure. which does yeah. not fall under the things I like category necessarily. Yeah, We'll get to that but- in a minute. Right. Well, also, I do think that it, you mentioned that T- Tina, their biological yeah. daughter, who I think is kind of like the glue that that keeps that joke from just absolutely crashing. That is maybe the one character in this movie that has any sense of decency. <laughs> well right and you need you need if i'm sorry have, aside from amber aside from amber well uh, and, aside yeah. from yeah amber and oh yeah, britney murphy's character okay so britney yeah britney yeah. murphy's character is a, a hero in this so i, I would say that that's the i like the set the setups of things yeah yeah there's a lot that i like and i liked that it that it went for it even mm. even in in some not all of the uncomfortable moments yeah so uh my list of what i liked there are definitely some parallels with yours the i got some line is the one line that i wrote down i uh, there were a lot oh. of good lines but that one was specifically one where i like cracked up 
I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. John. Can I, if I can interject, but from that same sure. scene before the I got some line, as everyone is vomiting and you see Allison Janney and the bartender come out of the hotel room and she sees everyone vomiting and says, oh, my God, do you think they hurt us? Yeah. That uh, one, too. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right. Because what does that imply? Uh, there was a moment, though, when there was a moment, though, when they there's like the TV newscast about the like dysentery outbreak. And uh, you see a shot of Allison Janney over there and she says something and I couldn't make out what it said, but I like rewound because I was like, whatever she's saying is great. And I don't have to even know what the words are to know that it's hilarious and that she's the best. <laughs> that's the sign of just like a great character and the right person pulling it off oh when, when you yeah. just know like uh-oh here they come what what are they gonna say well and also watching it now in yeah. like back at the time you're just like oh my god she's Who's hilarious. This lady? now yeah. well and now you're like oh that allison janney's in this movie and that's her character oh uh, i can't wait yeah so I, I'm going to shut my mouth. Go on. Okay. Okay. So uh, one of the things that I liked also, and this is also just because we're watching this in 2024, is the Soylent Green monologue in which- I have uh, that written The down. year gets a shout out. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's the, the, the theater girl who is uh, in the pageant and she's doing the monologue, trying to choose yes. between, was it between Othello and Soylent Green? Her own version of Soylent Green, something like that. But, something like that. I mean, yeah. like she seems to do all of Soylent Green because she starts at the beginning of the movie, yeah, and and finishes at the end, <laughs> right? It's well, she says it's like an ad, like her own version of it. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, this is a joke that is very '90s. Was the whole uh, the 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 documentary crew meeting or seeing the crew from the show Cops? Because oh, yeah. the, there's the cops crew that comes in and jokes about the show cops, very late nineties. And I felt like it was very Michael Patrick Jan and uh, a little statey to be having the like, you know, intermingling between the documentary crew and the cops crew. And personally, I feel like, and and maybe this is the fact that it's 25 years later, but it's just like jokes about the show cops. It's just like, come on. Like, can we not do that? I I don't know. But I did well, like that moment where those two crews see each other. The two guys know each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and which is also pretty, like, believable. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's true. I mean, the show Cops, I it's riddled with problems. It's completely oh, bogus. It's Well, I mean, at least in, they're arresting white people in this one. So, Oof, yeah. Um, one of the other things that I loved is that, you know, it's a comedic platform for women and yeah. the yes. men in it, such as, you know, uh, Becky Ann's father is just like a doofus. There's, I, uh, you know, every man is problematic in some way, but the women mm. are in a lot of ways, you know, the heroes there's, you know, Kirsten Dunst. Even Amy Adams, who's just like yep. a very, you know, a very positive person. Uh, Brittany Murphy's character is just like such a pure hearted person. Uh, and then, of course, Alan, uh, Ellen Barkin and Allison Janney's characters. Uh, even though when we first meet Ellen Barkin, she's kind of like, you know, you get more of a trashy sense from her. And it's just yeah. like, we could do a little bit better with that. 
And I kind of want to move on. And I'll start this time with the things that irked me about this. Um, and I, I'm going to kind of end with the biggest defense of all. So I didn't feel like a lot of the characters were very clever. And when I say that, I mean, I don't know, the the parents of the Asian American family, you know, that that thing. It seemed like a lot of the jokes in the like were designed to just or the characters are designed to have like punching down jokes. And it, it there was opportunity to make them clever. And there were elements of the of that, but it just wasn't it didn't really vibe for me. Um, a lot of the jokes I felt were very obvious and cheap and punched down. Uh, I did not like eating disorder jokes. There's the the winner from the previous year who is in the hospital with anorexia. And nope. there's just joke yeah. after joke at no. the expense of an eating disorder. No. Uh, pedophilia jokes. I did not like at all. Nope. John Doe, spelled D-O-U-G-H. Yep. Uh, one of the judges. And it's like, there's a way to do that that's better but they didn't do it that way. There's a way to do it where it's where you're maybe questioning just like is this guy in this just because he's kind of a kind of a pervert, but when he starts talking about the young young girls and everything, well, it's like yeah, and he has a camera a video camera. Can I yeah. jump it? Can I Please, if, please, if I, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because no, no, because, because yeah, and I, I mean, you know, I'm definitely hearing we have a lot of parallels and yeah. There's some other things I'll come back to, but I feel like this is worth jumping in please, here please, because please. you mentioned like okay, there's a way to do that because Yes, the whole idea of a middle-aged man judging and like having to really like look at teenage girl, which I mean goes into the larger issue uh, of like beauty pageants and right. what they are, you know, like how they are executed, and you know that's just much bigger much bigger and and like, just real oh. quick and and yeah. you know of course you know we've heard donald trump talk about how in the pageants yep. that he's run where these girls in some cases are likely under 18 you know he talks oh. about you know you're you're running the show so you can go back into and, and watch them change and it's yep. just like he talks yep. about it like yep. it's his god-given right to be able to do that yep go on uh -huh. yeah absolutely absolutely so i i think that there, if you're going to do a movie though about pageants, there's a way to have a character who is not a pedophile, and the and I think that this movie does tell you enough to. I mean, yes, it John like he is a pedophile. Yeah. He, yes. So there's a way to have it where somebody is really afraid of coming across that way. Yes, and absolutely. Like, and constantly putting their because they're so they're they're so afraid and like they don't they're like, look, I'm in this I like this was I you know, however that's, they that's like, the way to do it. Okay. Got yeah. it. Okay. That's what yeah. to do it. Where so, somebody is very clearly, you know, not in it for those purposes, but is so aware of how it might look that he's so nervous about somebody thinking that he has, you know, is in it for the wrong reasons. And, and which this might be a bit cart before the horse here, but if, if you were to do something like this again today, I feel like that character uh, would make a lot of, would also make a lot of sense especially being, you know, in the like woke generation 
But yeah. I don't think that makes a difference. I, I absolutely, it could have been done that way. A hundred percent. One other thing that I feel like worked better in 1999 than it really does now are the jokes about Brittany Murphy's character's brother, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought were funny. And, you know, as we're going on, it's like, oh, well, he's clearly gay. And then when she kind of outs him to her, to their parents at the end, it's like, all right, we would handle this differently now uh, yeah. because it's like gay equals bad in the sense of right. that delivery. Clearly, she loves her yes. brother. She loves him. Uh, right. Yeah. But, but she's using, but she's out. First of all, she's, she's yeah. outing him without his consent. And doing that in a manner that is like, here's bad news for you. Yeah. Like you just said, it's 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 shown as a negative. So, yeah, that's uh, again. on. Yeah. And that's where I feel like some of the jokes were like late 90s, obvious punching down type things. Low hanging fruit. Yeah. Where it's just like. Different from whatever is not the tradition is bad. And yeah. uh, and that's where we get to the biggest defender of this movie are uh, jokes about characters with uh, intellectual disabilities and repeatedly calling people the R word. Yeah. Which it's it, it, which it, like if anybody needs convincing, it is not hard to as you're listening to that dialogue replace it with the n-word and uh, yeah. like it used in the exact same context in the exact same way it is like worse than punching down yeah and will sasso's character should not have been part of it he plays yeah. somebody with an intellectual disability it is an unnamed intellectual disability because i don't think that it exists in reality no and there was no the the, the the goal, the purpose of this was not to accurately represent any specific disability, but it was just to have fun at the expense of people yeah. with intellectual disabilities. If they were to do something differently and still have a character who maybe has some of those qualities, not all of them for sure, you know, it takes place in small town Minnesota. Maybe they got kicked by a donkey. We'll do uh National Lampoon's Vacation style. Like, you know, maybe there's some sort of reason why perhaps there is a, a different quality to this character, but to make it be at the expense of people with intellectual disabilities. I mean, I mean, in the other case, I guess we're talking about traumatic brain injury, but I think that... Well- it's also about the other characters and the way that they connect with the other, with that particular character. With that. Exactly. Because he's just targeted by everybody. Nobody, nobody shows him kindness yeah. in the movie. The, the, the way, closest maybe being his brother, but you know what? I, there. I have a, I have a revision to this. So, uh, okay. he plays, so Will Sasso plays, uh, Mike McShane, you know, plays like the owner of the hardware store in town. He's one of the judges. And his son is Will Sasso's character. His brother. Oh, is it his brother? His brother. Okay. So what I'm thinking is instead of making it his brother, make it a child. Like, just make it a child. Make it a precocious, weird child who's doing inappropriate things all the time. 
Well, uh, uh, a league of their own was still well, still well, a league of their own. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. The frustrating little kid, because I think that the, the only thing that that character, that this character, uh, I guess, uh, contributes to the story is that he confirms the, the, the rigging of the judging where he's just like, Oh, I know who wins. I know who wins. And it's like, you make that little kid. It's instantly believable and a thousand percent less problematic absolutely yeah at that there you go that that's your yeah you know yeah that's how that's how you how you solve that and and that could have been done then but this was how (sighs) this was the option and and also this is one year after there's something about mary something about mary which we talked about a few episodes ago uh mm-hmm. which perhaps what because uh i did read that will sasso's character was a later edition it might have even been like a reshoot kind of a thing where allegedly there was an issue from like the studio where there the the male characters are like you know unrelatable or something and so they added in this this other character and it's you know, like, I read that and I was so confused. By I was that. confused by it, too. But it's like, all right, well, if there's any truth behind this, then it's like I could see them being like, oh, this movie, there's something about Mary just came out. It has this character in it. Do something like that. And so they just went, you know, hard on that direction. Well, I also when I read that, I was like, are they trying to make Mike McShane's character more sympathetic? What are they trying know. to do exactly? Mike, Mike McShane, by the way, I I loved him on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh-huh. He's, you know... The uh, old uh, Friar Tuck and Robin Friar, Hood, Prince of Thieves. He's He was great in Prince of Thieves. Uh, Not too many people can claim that. Y- yeah, I, I think that he's maybe one of the only that was good in Prince of Thieves. But Alan I, Rickman, Michael Winka. Oh, Alan Rickman's great. Yeah. Yes. So... Yeah, I, I mean, we don't have to really say much more about that, but no, we had to. <laughs> we did. It, it, it's done. We're past it now. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot to like about this movie. I felt like when I, because I had seen it, you know, back when it was first maybe on home video. I don't think I saw it in the theater. And seeing yeah. it again now, there were definitely, there's definitely a lot that I picked up on where it was just like, oh, it's smart how they did that. Like, hmm you know, when it shows Becky Ann at the gun range and she and you and you like cut to the shot of like where she uh, on the target where it's like somebody like a person's silhouette and like you see where it is. It's all in the exact same spot where that kid Brett, Brett or Brad, yeah. Brett, where he right. got she got shot in the head after he turns her down to go on a date. So, right. Uh, but we it's also just like, have it's. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no, it was just it. not something that I uh, picked up on. I think the first time, but like watching it closer, I was just like, "Ooh, that was smart." How they like they cut to that shot where it's just like, "Oh, that's the exact same spot that this guy gets shot in the head." Yeah. Well, and to add to that, they also plant the seeds because it's, all of her guns were given to her by her mother, and who by taught her, her to shoot? Her mom. Well, it's no, it doesn't shy away from the fact, like it, it's not trying to hide the fact that they're the ones that are killing these people. Oh no, yeah. no. But, but do you think I, Becky is all because do we think Becky was also involved or it was all Gladys? Well, Brett getting killed has nothing to do with the pageant. It's just that he. Well, but I wonder if her. 
what if there's some deleted scene where like Becky goes home and is upset? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's like, it's clear I, yeah, that she's the one that I, killed him. I don't know. I think him. I assumed it was all Gladys, but no, now that you mention it, there's really nothing that suggests that that wasn't Becky who killed Brett. No, they are just evil people. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's, that's the way that they live their lives. I do wish that there was some element of there's people dying. We should probably have somebody investigating this while this is going on. I, uh, which, well, I, you know what? And I'm going to uh, go, okay, I'm going to launch into it. Yeah. My idea okay. for bringing this back is a go remake. It. It's a remake that it ends at the end of the local pageant. Or perhaps, you know, we have this, the swan float blowing up or something like that. But it, it ends there. It doesn't go forward. So it ends to, at its natural end. It ends at, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't keep doesn't... on going more and more and more. But that lets you spend more time during this this part of time where there's these deaths going on, the trailer exploding, the light falling on the girl's head and everything. All these things that are like meant to be targets uh, for Kirsten Dunst's character. And at the same time that this is going on, there is somebody investigating what's happening. And that kind of adds along to it. And, and in a way it kind of blends it with like miscongeniality. Where it's mm-hmm. like there's something going on that's fishy. Well, well, there's supposed to be an explosion at this pageant. I think was Miss Congeniality, and she's right. there undercover. So it's kind of like we're kind of following the the path of this pageant, but we get to spend more time with the characters. We get to meet some other characters. We have room for other characters. <laughs> we don't necessarily need to be focusing on a, a lot of the more minor, you know, pageant entrants. And well, like right, that. and we can also like lose all of the, uh, yeah, you know, all of the Will Sasso jokes. Yes. Also, well, that's because in this case, if you're going to have that kind of character, it's going to be a child. Right. We oh, fixed yeah. that. Yeah. 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 But also, I wouldn't make it a mockumentary. I, uh, I feel like that style, the documentary style, has been done so much now. You know, even shows like Modern Family or The Office or Parks and Rec, like we're mm-hmm. kind of past that and uh, you know that was you know uh jury duty but that is real i I... jury duty is is real because the actors are actors in the show so it's oh Oh, okay, right. Okay, it's real because yeah. the audience knows that they're all actors and that the one guy isn't an actor. Got it. Yes. Thank you. Which, no, Dan, you got to watch it if you haven't watched it. It's so, it's I've amazing. Watched, I watched the first couple of episodes and on oh, okay. like, it might be my favorite thing that I've seen James Marsden do. James Marsden is perfect in it. Um, also, Ronald Gladden, yeah. shout out. You're the best person they could have possibly found for that show. But Dan, you got to oh, watch yeah. it through to the end so you can see like the last episode. It's perfect. I, Oh, I, I will. I will. Yeah. So, yes, I think that uh, it's it's better served in maybe a more traditional type of storytelling fashion um, rather than the mockumentary, which I I know that you said that you liked the mockumentary aspect of it. I, I didn't like it so much. Uh, it felt to me like it was not quite well done. Um, 
and it just seemed like there was a lot of I, I don't think that it served the actors in this very well. And you know, the way that it's done in Christopher Guest movies, you know, it's it's a lot of improv in those. And they're not like mugging for the camera because a lot of them kind of come from a little bit more of a less traditional background. And I think that Kirstie Alley, for me, didn't work in this context. And uh, I I didn't like seeing her do the kind of interview thing and then kind of having the little moment where she like is checking out high school wrestlers, you know, junk in their Units. singlets and stuff. Yeah, that was just gross to me, and it felt like ugh, that wouldn't have been there if it was a more traditional storytelling thing. Because Low-hanging it's like, fruit. <sighs> yeah. Of the yeah. loom. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking, because I love the whole small-town beauty pageant thing. I We also, since this movie, have had things like toddlers and tiaras and, like, you know, a closer look at, you know, the pageant scene in the kind of small town America. And uh, there's a lot more to it. And I don't really know, like, pageant wise, what's really happening in, in the country. I know that, like, I mean, I live in Portland. I know that, like, anything that's happening around here is more about, like, community service. And it's not has nothing to right. do with, you know, uh, talent or formal wear. <laughs> You know? Right. Yeah. No, I, I think the I think the objectification aspect of pageants, especially in areas uh, such as Portland or where I live in yeah. Seattle, uh, is I, I would pro- not having no knowledge whatsoever. I would say that that aspect of it ha- is has been phased phased out. Yeah. And that yeah. You're, like you said, community service. Right. Advocacy. But we are living in a bubble and it's not yes. that way everywhere. In in uh Ro- Mount Rose uh Minnesota, it yeah. may or, or Rosemount, the real place, it may very well still be the same. Um uh and uh, so before I go to my possible what are we going to do here? Um just a few more things that either I didn't like or that were like kind of a little bit more uncomfortable now. And mm-hmm. um, by the way, there's so many other things that I do like that I'm thinking about now. That fact that one of the things Amber likes about working uh, at the mortuary is that she can tap dance on the like tile floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't bother anybody. <laughs> I didn't bother me. She's, no, it's, that that was funny. I thought that was yeah. funny. No, it's I'm quirky. saying like it she's her tap dancing isn't going to wake anybody up. No, I thought that her there was uh, everything about Kirsten Dunst's character and performance were so great. Yes. She is especially with all the tap dancing like when she's got the Walkman on and she's going down the road and like doing her tap dancing and stuff. It's just like it looks good and she looks so good doing it. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. she's definitely all in on this. What, so what I don't what I didn't like, and I agree with you, uh, the any of the humor from eating like there is no humor in eating disorders. They're correct. Like, yeah. Intellectual disabilities and eating disorders are not laughing matters. They are not things to make light of. 
And they are things that if somebody who who's personally impacted by those sees that that's actually going to be like unfunny, the the opposite of funny in the negative. Yeah. So upsetting. Uh, and like with some of the jokes, like with when Sam McMurray in the like was he when he's in the furniture store and he's yeah. being offensive and anti-Semitic, it 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 makes his character buffoon and it's not it's the it's the film disapproving of him. It's the the narrative yeah. showing him in a in a bad light. But like when you have and then going back to Will Sasso's character, when you have a scene where it's the the documentary crew is just recording his character whose overalls are stuck in the car door and like yeah. kids are taunting him and a caption comes up and says it's the documentary crew is just there to document and and yeah. not do anything so that to me that's like that is the film having a laugh at the expense of someone Correct, with yeah. an intellectual disability and that's not like their that's not their choice. We can ha we can have fun at the expense of Sam McMurray's character because he is choosing to be a bigot and yeah. a racist and an anti-Semite and like he and yeah. So we so like that just isn't isn't funny. And yeah, I probably laughed at it when I watched it. Again, I would have been a, a home video, but like mm -hmm. early on, like not long after it was out, I don't remember seeing it in the theater, but certainly not long after it was available to watch at home. And I probably laughed then. I'm not laughing now. And yeah. I and, and, and it's not. And by the way, this is like you often hear like, oh, I can't get away with that now. Well, you should sh this is not something to get away with this is not right. something we should want to getting away with something is like doing something that that you want to do and not getting in trouble we should not want to do that and neither now nor then Correct. so just be and this is not something where we this is not something where i feel comfortable saying like ah, oh, you know ah, that was then you know ah, can't do that anymore that ah, you know that that doesn't work for me. And this movie sh proves uh, maybe more often than not that it is better than that. And it, it, it does. There, there are clever moments. So yeah, it, it doesn't need that. It was eerie. And this is maybe not necessarily something that like, I'm, I'm going to say was necessarily like bad, but just eerie in hindsight when Gladys ends up, you know, with the gun. And, sure. Yeah. And, and a public, sh especially, I mean, God, like, we, yes. we're just now, you know. There's, but there's by the time this comes out, there might be another. And I hope that that's not true. Yeah. But it, it's to see yeah. that. And also remembering this movie comes out in 1999, which, in addition to just being an amazing movie year, was also the same year of the Columbine shooting. Right. Yeah. And it's like that. And that was a, you know, different circumstance, but still kind of thinking about that and thinking like, huh, you know what? They had time before this movie came out to 
to to maybe cut that out and consider that huh your audience might be a little uh you know sensitive to that there there were three months three months because this movie comes oh, yeah. out on july 23rd right um and that happened on april 20th 1999 so um so i felt like that perhaps could have been uh could have been removed but i would say other otherwise other than those points i even thought like a lot of the other oh and i would say like the the portrayal of of the the presumably japanese couple right. and the fact that like their daughter was named molly i felt that was like an obvious like aha uh-huh, the accent like stereotyping mm. so so that yeah, that that felt like it was that that was a little like that maybe shouldn't have made it past the the first couple of drafts I, of this script. I think that oh oh you just mean like the the movie naming her Molly so well, that it I, could be I, pronounced in a way that is offensive. And it it did feel like they were exaggerating the they were leaning into the stereo that that they were maybe yeah. and I will assume that they were directed to lean sure. into the more yeah. stereo like you know stereotype like the way i'm not gonna it yeah you know i'm not gonna you do don't have to imitation yeah yeah but I, you know i felt like they i felt like they still could have done that joke but but done it like you know reworked it and again the fact that they that they also showed that they had a daughter a biological daughter yeah. who was just kind of like living her life and doing her thing. And we're like, my parents are ridiculous. Yeah. I thought that was like, good. As long as there's somebody pointing out and saying like, my parents are ridiculous and offensive. Yes. That was kind yeah. of, like I said, the glue keeping it from totally crashing. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we're talking about the, uh, the Asian American family, we'll call them that. I, it made me think a little bit of the movie Licorice Pizza. Have you did you see Licorice Pizza? Yes, yes, yeah. And it made me think of John Michael Higgins' character. Do you remember his the the quality? Rem- so he has, I think Remind that he me. has two different Japanese wives throughout the course of the movie. I one at least one, and when he and so he kind of like is translating to his wife but he's not speaking in japanese he's saying the words in english but with a very heavy offensive japanese accent and and it made me think of that because so i mean licorice pizza is my least favorite paul thomas anderson movie i felt like it made some decisions that just didn't work and were just like what are you doing and that was a big one for me that like really took me out of it because it's like, what year well, are you just, making this joke in? I know that it takes place in a different year, but it's you're being made in, you know, 2022. Well, yeah. And it's also like I, we we saw John Michael Higgins do that 15 years earlier. And yeah, to me like that. Yeah, it, it was. And I know, like, I think that was a real person he was supposed to be playing. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. I know that. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm just saying like, 
Yeah, but also casting John Michael Higgins. It's like you're used to like John Michael Higgins does characters. He comes in and does characters at like he does in the Christopher Guest movies and like he does in, you know, um, like other things like uh, The Breakup, which is you know, maybe not the best example okay. that people have actually seen. But he, yeah, so he kind of has that like, so as soon as he comes into it in a movie that like I'm supposed to be taking seriously. Or I'm supposed to be taking mm-hmm. like literally. Uh, yeah, that, that took me out of it, among other there were other things. That yeah. took me out of it, but yeah, yeah, agreed. Least favorite, Paul Tam- Paul Thomas Anderson. But back to Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, Just one other thing on that. Another thing that bumped me on it is that Paul Thomas Anderson, when asked about that, didn't mm-hmm. seem to like even consider the fact that it would be offensive because he was putting it on the character. He was saying like, oh yeah, well, you're just supposed to think this guy's an ass and then move on. And it's just like, no, because... Nobody would do that. It's a decision of the film. And that's that. And it, yeah, well, and it, and that's and like, that's what we were talking about with Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's like there are certain things where it's yeah. just like, OK, this is a character moment where you're just like ugh, that character. But this is a moment where you're just like ugh, the movie, because also when it comes to the R word, it's one thing when a, a character that we don't like says it versus right. a time when like Brittany Murphy says it. Yep. And it's like, all, no, yep. that's it's, that's just the movie saying like, nope, this is just a word we're comfortable with using. Right. And it, it come, like the Sam McMurray character is the only one who uses like the other slurs and derogatory terms yeah. that he uses, which is why that 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 works. But yeah, I mean, this is also this is a movie that is quite clear about where it stands on things. Yeah. And it is quite obvious. This is not a neutral observer. This is a movie that has an opinion about the people who live in this type of place, the people who do this type of thing. And regarding a, a movie like this or like there's something about Mary with those types of representations and that R word it's and this is going back to something that we were talking about earlier, but it's less it's not a we couldn't get away with this now type of thing, but it's a shame on us for thinking this was okay then type of this thing. was not something to get away with. This is yeah. not the, something that should not yeah. have been done. Nope. It's so, it's a it's a in nineteen ninety-nine we probably didn't even think twice about it, and shame on us for that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um it, it, by the way, it, ironically, speaking of nineteen ninety-nine. Uh, and of course, we've talked about the year 1999 in movies before, but worth noting that uh, Kirsten Dunst and Brittany Murphy were both having stellar years and a movie that does it, it that featuring Brittany Murphy that does uh, treat eating disorders in a more serious and realistic manner. Girl Interrupted. Absolutely. Comes yeah. Out, comes out the same year. So, uh, all right. What would I do with this? Well, tell me. Oh, sorry. I have a question about your remake. Would you set it then, now, or another time? Uh, I don't think it matters necessarily when it is set. I, I think that the time period of the late 90s is a fun time period to set stuff in. Uh, the danger is always that it becomes too cartoonish. But I, 
that could be fun. I don't think that there really needs to be much of a difference in the way that they present themselves, other than the fact that Brittany Murphy might not be showing pictures in a picture frame. She'd be showing pictures on her phone. That might be the only difference. Oh, I, I mean, I, I would say you'd have a lot more like cyber bullying. I, honestly, I was thinking about if you were to set it now, it would so easily become something like very. I feel like this would go so serious just because I, I you know, seen what vengeful teenagers can do with social media. Right. But it isn't a vengeful teenager who's performing the wrongdoings. In most cases, it's the mom. Well. Right. But the mom. But again, I would th this is like something I would see this character do, which, again, you you could maybe do this as some a more like tongue in cheek thriller. This might be a, a great Diablo Cody pro project <laughs> uh, to have. And now I'm just I'm just spitballing. But to have it where Gladys, it like t like creates a profile. Of, oh, like catfishes and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And making it more, I would still keep it like tongue in cheek and do I, the like thing the is, comedy. But the thing about but. the thing about Gladys, though, is that she's not subtle. She doesn't have a lot of, you know, foresight into things. The plans aren't elaborate. They're very much just like blow up the thresher that the girl is on, blow up the trailer, have a light fall on somebody's head. She's and like then serial she mom. She's gun. like she's like Kathleen Turner and yeah. serial mom. Her yeah, her her murders are all practical and probably pretty run and gun. They're not yeah. like she's been planning something for months kind of a person. Well, no, no, no. That's just that's but that's I kind of feel like that might if you were to remake it set today, mm -hmm. that's something that that character might do. Now, that, that said, that's not where I would uh, that that's not necessarily where I was thinking of going with this um i was thinking you could do a sequel i i don't feel that like that's the best way to go with this it does have a cult following so i imagine yeah you know midnight i imagine midnight screenings of this probably do pretty well around i could see it becoming a fun little cult musical oh and yeah maybe, for sure Perhaps, I mean, yes, I know we have Heather's the musical and we have Mean Girls the musical and Bring It On the musical, speaking of Kirsten Dunst, who actually says that in this movie. Yes, she does. Uh, I feel like it's the type of thing that almost I would want to see it done more of like off, off Broadway, like a real fun, campy you know, production where like you might even have like drag queens in it, kind of like doing the like the Golden Girls thing, but yeah. doing Drop Dead Gorgeous, the the musical. I think there's, I I feel like there's other than the fact that like making musicals based on movies from the from like that period of time is is kind of overdone. It it feels to me like that would be it would be something fun to see if it was done right. So Dan in, uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out where this is, but, uh, I'll just read the headline from the a website called the bungalower musical inspired by drop dead gorgeous. Now playing at Renaissance theater in Ivanhoe village. I'm trying to see this is from 2022. 
Renaissance Theater Company. Perfect. Where is this? Perfect. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, uh, community theater. That's that's kind of perfect for it. Oh, Florida. It's in Florida. So I wonder if this Orlando, is, like, Florida. approved or if they're just like, hey, we're going to assume imagine. no one's going to sue us. Let's see. Well, Drop Dead Gorgeous Musical. That was just the first thing that came up. Um, yep. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh wait, okay. Broadway World, BroadwayWorld.com, two thousand seven, Drop Dead Gorgeous, the musical. Okay, would anybody love to see musical? Okay, so that's just somebody in a message board. There, okay. There's a Facebook so, page for it. Oh yeah, so I suppose that if there was a musical, though, Melissa Manchester would be getting some residuals. I would only hope so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's deserved, it's got some songs. It's got Can't Take My Eyes much. Off of You built into it. It's already got yeah. some things baked in. You don't need to write uh, as many new numbers for it. No, I mean, you know, whatever. You you could do a jukebox musical. Hey, yay, late 90s, throw some friggin' Third Eye Blind in there. I don't know if that would... I don't know if that would work. Because I'm this kidding. movie... This movie doesn't take I, place in a world where people listen to popular music. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. yeah, I'm totally I'm kidding about that. I don't like yeah. the idea. I generally don't like the idea of jukebox musicals. OK, you talk about them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, maybe maybe more in jest than uh, out of admiration. Oh, no, no, no. I definitely I talk about them more in in jest mm-hmm. um, because I prefer not to ingest jukebox musicals. Ha <sighs> <Dan. laughs> ha. Yeah. I want to eject myself from this podcast. There there anyway. are some there are and and honestly the artists whose music I feel like would make jukebox musicals like it hasn't been done or it hasn't been done well. So, Tom Petty. There you go. I would see a Tom Petty jukebox musical. Okay. Uh I'd only want to see uh, uh Stop Dragging My Heart Around. That's the only one I'd want to see performed live, you know. Just some Stevie Nicks type. Oh, ab- absolutely. Them wailing what at a- each other. Yeah. That'd be cool. So, so, Dan, your idea is a musical. You want to make that happen. Yeah. You know, I. that's what works for me. I, I don't feel like, you know, we need to go back there. I, I think, you know, a remake, if anything, you know, just kind of like, you know, a revisionist, uh, a, re- a revision of it would be would be worthwhile but like yeah i wouldn't go that would kind of i'd rather do that than a sequel yeah but a musical hey that could be fun so i should also mention that in the miss minnesota teen pageant in uh, 2018 the winner was from rosemount so peyton schroeder nice. congratulations Way you did to go, it peyton Tr- and uh, congratulations oh. to the 2023 winner, Michaela Rivers of Maple Grove. Uh, you you made it happen. Good for you. You did it, Michaela. You did yeah. it. We we support you in all of your future endeavors. I will say this though: if I was going to do this musical, even if it's not a jukebox musical, I would still include the song "The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota." I well, when when you have the them coming out wearing their you know, head pieces. And one of them had the ball of twine. She's talking about, you know, I her relative was the biggest for ball the of twine. twine. We love a good uh. biggest ball of twine. And there was a uh, biggest 
Ball of Twine podcast. There was a podcast episode in 99% Invisible from 2019. I think that I might have sent it to you, but it's called Goodness Gracious Great Balls of Twine. It is about the world's largest balls of twine and the controversies that lay within, although I don't think any of them are in Minnesota. Oh, maybe one of them is in Minnesota, but there's one in, I think, Texas, one in Kansas, and uh, Darwin Twine Ball. I think Darwin is in Minnesota, I believe. But I would love it if no one knew how these twine balls got there. They were like crop circles. It's this is a, it's a really great podcast episode. And I remember it, I haven't listened to it since 2019, but I remember it talking a lot about like, you know, how are they measured? Like, what is is it circumference? Is it weight? Because it, depending on how you're gauging it, you might have two very different results for biggest ball of twine. So it's uh, a highly debated subject. It's very, it's very interesting, hmm. but large balls of twine is just a thing. That's a thing. Wow. Oh, to be alive. I mean, you know, the fact that they just don't go rolling all over the place, that's kind of more of that flat earth proof, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the world is flat and so let's just, uh, accept that and move on. So speaking of moving on, you want to know what we're doing next? I you do want to know what we're doing, doing next. Yeah. Oh boy. We are Mississippi, going Mississippi. Tell me about it. We're heading down to Mississippi. We are going to be looking at 1967's In the Heat of the Night, directed by the late, great Norman Jewison, starring yeah. Sidney Poitier, Rod Steiger, uh, edited by Hal Ashby. Yeah. And with a score by Quincy Jones. And this is a classic. And a song by Ray Charles. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited. I've actually never seen this one. Ah, I've seen it once and I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. It's it's a good uh it's a good watch. You know, there there's a lot of great uh Mississippi movies out there. But this one is streaming, so we're going to watch it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh yeah, excellent movie and great movie to talk about when we're talking about Mississippi. So, sure. we, you know what we're going to be getting a little bit of? One of our favorite things, a little bit of Sweaty Law. Oh, Sweaty Law. Wonderful. There's a... Uh, uh, did you ever... I, I don't know if I ever sent you any videos from them, but the sketch comedy group, The Birthday Boys, uh, now they, they don't exist. Some of them are actually the Sloppy Boys that have a great podcast. And then there's the Dough Boys, another great podcast. Yes. But uh, The Birthday Boys, they had a show on IFC for two seasons. Bob Odenkirk was executive producer and was also in it. And... Uh, I've been rewatching it and uh, I it's there. They were my favorite sketch group when I was living in LA. I remember seeing them at UCB all the time. And then like I saw them and I was like, Oh my God, these guys are the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. And they have this one sketch. I couldn't find it online because I wanted to send it to you, Dan, but it is uh, it's all about sweaty Southern courtrooms. Um, it's more of a like, I you know, back I in the day, sweaty that. and not so much Grisham, Grisham times, but no, 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 no. Like to yeah. kill a mockingbird, like exactly. 12 angry men, uh, not 12 angry men. Uh, um, Oh geez. What's the one with the monkey trial? Uh, inherit the wind, inherit the wind. Thank yeah. you. I'm like, I knew we did it. Which we covered on, on this podcast. podcast. Yes. And it was very sweaty. So, yeah. Uh, uh but we love I'm, our sweaty I law. think I've, I, I think I saw that, sketch because an image is coming straight to my mind okay 
It's good. Yes. Uh, so everybody, please email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Check out ruinedchildhoodspod.com for some more uh, information. Dot also com. check out our the link in our profile for, or the link in this episode's description for our link tree. And you'll be able to find lots of really cool stuff on there. And uh, check out thewalt.substack.com. And uh, yeah, well, Dan, as you are uh, headed to the airport hojo, I wish you a good journey. Oh, the Howard Johnson's by the airport. Good journey. Good <laughs> journey.